From the art of the deal to keeping it real. Live from the Simply Vegas studios, it's the Power Move with John Gafford. Back again, back again for another episode of the Power Move. I am actually, I'm not alone. I mean, I'm not, I'm not alone. But, uh, you know, pretty much everybody is uh, off today but me. Connell is climbing mountains in uh, the UK. And uh, Colt is, uh, per his text, stuck on Boulder Highway at one of his properties. So that could mean anything. I'm not sure what it is. But that's okay because still going to have a good episode today. I am joined in the studio with a guy that I've known for God. What? It's been a long time. 10, 12 years, whatever. It's been a long long time. His name is Tim Zimmerman. He is a coach. Now, I know you're probably just kind of heard me say coach and just kind of just went, uh, like, here we go again. Like, there's another one. But I got to tell you, Tim does this from a little bit different perspective than most people do. And and I think what he does is interesting. And I wanted to kind of share it with you guys. And you guys, you know, you tell me what you think, man. Hit in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. Give us a like, subscribe, and a notify of all those things and whatever podcast thing you're you're listening to us on. Make sure that you uh, give us that four or five star review; it'd be great. So there it is. So Tim, how are you, man? I am good, thank you. Well, welcome, man. So, uh, so when did we when did we when did we meet? How long ago was it? We met when uh, you first opened your office. I yeah. think in like 2011. I yeah, I think yeah, it was like, it was it was it was it was it was back in the, back in the Keller Williams days is right. when I met you. Is what it was. So right. so you know, you, how long have you been coaching people? How long have you been doing it? Well, actually, I've been in uh, success training since 1980. So I originally uh, sold and taught Dale Carnegie courses. Okay. I'm sure you're familiar with sure, that. Sure, of course. And uh, I took my first Dale Carnegie sales course in 1980, and they subsequently recruited me to take over for the sales course for all of Chicago. Okay. And then trained me to teach all five of the Dale Carnegie courses. How long did you spend? So, I'm, you know what? I'm going to back up a little bit from there, though. Because I, everybody that comes through here that's a high-level entrepreneur, everybody that comes through, I like to kind of hear their story and kind of hear that because I believe success leaves clues. And even if you've grown beyond the age of some of the stuff we talk about, I think people got kids. And I think if you can guide your kids into some of the activities that will help, you know, make your kids into successful adults, I think that's good. So, like, where'd you grow up, man? Like, what's the backstory on Tim Zimmerman? I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, in okay. Bridge, Illinois. Okay. Uh now you say the suburbs, how far is that? Like a lot of people are like 120 miles away and it's the suburbs. Like how far is it really? Actually from Chicago, it's like right next door. It's, All right, cool, okay. it's uh, five minutes from O'Hare Field okay. towards Chicago. And what did your parent? what did your parents do? My mom was a homemaker. Okay. Uh, we had nine kids in the family. Nine kids. Yeah. Where did you so, Where did you rank in the Where did you rank in the kid ranking? I'm number six. You're number six. So right. I had three older brothers, two older sisters, two younger brothers, and a younger sister. <laughs> Please. So. Okay. All right. So, so nine if, kids. If anyone's from a big family, they they kind of know what what craziness that I can't entails. Even, how big was the house you grew up in? I don't know how many square feet, but no, but it, bedrooms. I mean, like you guys were obviously had, piled on top of. Actually, each other, so. at one time we had all nine of the kids with my mother and father at the same time in the house. Oh wow! So my oldest brother is ten was ten years older. He's passed now. Was ten years older uh, than I, so he was in the house until eighteen, nineteen years. Eighteen. Old. And what did da- what what did dad do? He was a mechanic. He was a mechanic. Yeah. All right. So, so he did mechanic stuff, uh, international harvester during the day. 
he was a mechanic in the Navy and uh, Navy ships. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then at night he would, you know, have friends come over and he'd fix their cars for him. Okay. So he'd work quite a bit. So, uh, so obviously did well enough to support nine kids. Yes. Nine kids. Would you say that your f- parents laid out a path for success that you saw or could see or followed, or did you try to find something different? Well, since my father was an alcoholic. Oh boy. Uh, the, my path was different. So all of you out there that have had uh, hard lives, mm-hmm. I mean, I get picked on all the time. I got bullied all the time, you know, thrown down, you know, got beat on you know, so on and so forth from kids, you know, how kids are, how, how uh, bad they can be. So in going through that, even though, uh, in eighth grade, I was uh, doing college algebra, uh, was captain on the football team, was a altar boy, was the head patrol boy, you know, all of that type of thing. Yeah. I felt like I was a failure because I was always put down all the time. So I felt I was stupid. I felt I was ugly uh, one of the things that happened from getting beat up, I asked God to make me big mm-hmm. and I sprouted like over a foot in a year. So all of my hormones kicked in and I had severe acne. So I would get teased about that. I wore glasses, you know, during that time since uh, second grade, so on and so forth. So all of that, um, how I understand it now gave me the feeling of not being good enough, mm. not smart enough not handsome and being unlovable. So psychologically, I know now that when people feel that way, when they grow up in that, Mm -hmm. they act the opposite to prove that they're not that way. But what happens is no matter how smart or how, uh, how much money you make, how, um, all of the good stuff that you do, Mm -hmm. you never feel like you're good enough or never feel like you're handsome enough or, or you know, what, whatever yeah. that, whatever the hole is, you, you can is. never quite fill the hole, no matter right. how big the shovel until now. Yeah. Because that's what I do now. I, uh, well, let's buy let, Don't get too, don't go, go too fast. Well, we, it, we got a whole hour to fill. If you I jump know. right into what we're doing now, we, well, <laughs> this is, this about. is really the interesting part. I mean, <laughs> all of that stuff. I mean, I was driven to success. So, uh, what was the first, what was the first hustle? was the first hustle you had to make to make money? I always ask this question because it's always fascinating. Well, I don't know if it was a hustle. I mean, my first job was there you go, that's uh, a hustle. Was hey, making uh, pizza. How for, old were you? For a local pizza place. I was 15. 15, first yeah. job. Uh, you know, the next door neighbor was an older lady, so I fixed stuff in her house, uh, mowed her lawn, uh, worked with a company that hired young kids to mow lawns, you know, in mm-hmm. in the same area, so on and so forth. So I'm guessing with nine kids, if you wanted something out of the ordinary, you had to buy it. Is that, uh, is that accurate? Or it is, just didn't, yeah, it just didn't happen. Yeah, it just you know, didn't. All happen. my clothes were hand me downs, and you know, so on and so forth. What about your brothers and sisters? Same same kind of pattern, same kind of thing, or is it just a mixed bag? I mean, well, uh, my older brothers, you know, were. Basically, you know, one of the things that all of us became is independent mm-hmm. for the most part. Uh, but I was number six, so I was kind of the, the buffer between the older and the and the younger. younger. So, you know, protected the younger, you know, the older uh, older sister was six years older than me, and then uh, the next one was three years older than me. So, you know, they had their own lives, and I was a kid, you know, and they were doing their thing and going through uh, high school. What they were doing. All right. So 
let's talk. So, you, so back to Carnegie now. That's enough. I, I just always want to hear kind of the background story because I always find again success leaves clues, and I always find that. You know, pretty much all the high-level entrepreneurs that I have that come in always had some sort of like even you know figured out a way. There, there was no, there there was no like just taking it as it was, man. It was like if they wanted something, they just figured out a way. Even from right. a young age, it was just something. It was well, you a, had to fight for it. Yeah, it was a high level of resiliency is right. is the common thread amongst all those people. So you're working for Carnegie, you're doing all that. And you get that done. At what point do you split away from the Carnegie philosophies? Not that you abandon them because they're great. I mean, we all, we're all we not going to say there's anything wrong with those. Right. But you started looking for something on a different level, I guess is a better way to put it. Well, even before Carnegie, I um, in college, I, I went into the Marines. Okay, so I played two years college ball. Um, Where'd you I, play ball? In uh, Western Illinois University. All right. And uh, I played, you know, of course, football in, in high school captain of the football team, wrestling teams, you know, kick ass, all of that type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, went to college, got recruited into the Marines, went through officer candidate school in the Marines, came back, basically decided I wasn't big enough or fast enough to play football as okay. a career. I wanted to be a professional football player, like Dick Buckus sure. was, was my hero. Sure. Um, and I played like him, actually. Mm -hmm. um, Did you get to go to Soldier Field and see him play? No. Oh, that would been awesome. No. Anyway, sorry. Cost too much money. <laughs> yeah, that's nine kids, I guess. That's true, man. Cost too much money. So when I came when I came out of uh, the Marines, I mean I was ranked one of the top in the in the platoon, got straight A's and everything, hand to hand combat, you know, uh, strategies, you know, uh, all of that type of thing. Uh, basically I came back and decided I didn't want to kill people for a living. Yeah. Right. So it's, an, it it's, a like, it's a requirement of their Marines, I believe. It is. <laughs> you not only be capable, but to actually yeah, do that. Do it. So I decided, yeah. you know, that wasn't for you. That probably wasn't for me. Um, you know, even though I will step up if necessary. And sure, no, no, I, sure, and that's, sure. No, so, need to, no need to justify that comment. Right. So um, I asked myself, you know. It's time to make money. You know, I'm not going to play football. I'm not going to be in Marines. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, at the, at, at the financial crossroads, if you will. Right. So I actually uh, got involved in Amway. Okay. And I made zero money in Amway, but I became a multi-billionaire inside because it got me on the road to success, the self-improvement books, tapes, oh, all God. Of that type the, of thing. The Amway, the so, Amway crack, man. Right. So that Buying was all my those first tapes. introduction to how to win friends and influence people by mm -hmm. Dale Carnegie. Think and Grow Rich, Success Repose Mental Attitude, The Magic of Thinking Big, and, you know, those hundred books they say read, you know, read sure. But the thing for me is that I practiced the techniques. How old, how old, are, you, how old are you now when we're doing this? How do I well, look for, No, No, when you're first getting Amway. How or 84. No. This is 84? No, I'm 64. No, not how old are you today. Okay. I'm saying when you got oh. into Amway and you were doing okay. that. Um, I was actually like, and you don't look 64, 19 years old. <laughs> you have to check this on YouTube. Tim does not look a day. He does not look 64. <laughs> it's not a chance. So you get, so how were you and I am? What, what year was this? Uh, that was in, uh, 1979. Oh, so early, this is early Amway yeah. days. Right. All right. Okay. Right. So that was my, you know, what I got my first MLM, you know, yeah. MLM for the week, you know, type of thing. But, um, but it it was a turning point for me because I was, because of my background grow, growing up, mm -hmm. it was like, how to, how to get out of all of this, how to, 
you know, be successful, you know, because I wasn't shown any of that type of thing. I didn't really, the only mentor I had, you know, was my coach, you know, who, you know, you to play ball, but didn't right, teach anything and, financial. And basically yelled at you, you know, to be better. Yeah. You know, it didn't matter what you did. So you had your, like your own, it, it wasn't good enough. Yeah. Right? But so, so you had, had like your own little personal rich dad, poor dad stories. Well, essentially what we're doing, which, which your rich dad was essentially the Amway self-help books. Right. Got it. Right. Okay. So yeah. So all of those. So you got into that and how, so Amway flopped, you flopped in Amway, right? Which so well, many people do, no, so I'm not ha- hating. What that. happened was my uh, biggest failure in life was a multi-level marketing business. So, so the sequence of not, events was <laughs> that uh, I was in college, went through the Marines, uh, finished up. I I don't have a, a degree, two and a half years, hmm? and the uh, during '79 the the blizzard in Chicago of '79 hit, and I was going. I had moved from Western Illinois to uh, St. Charles, Illinois, and started to go to Northern Illinois University, which is in uh, DeKalb. Mm-hmm. So I would go through, you know, farm, you know, back roads, farm country to to basically get and just there. knock on doors, and that's how we were doing it, am I? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm to, sorry. Keep going. Go into college. Going to college. Got okay. it. So. Um, the blizzard of 79 hit and I couldn't go. So that ended my college career. Right. So it was like, okay, what do I do now? The gal that I was living with who became my first wife, um, her mother's boyfriend had an advertising thing where you could sell, um, like a coupon booklets, yeah. but you sell them to merchants. Sure. So they get put in there mm-hmm. and then you'd give out the booklets. Yeah. You're selling they that get, They get more business yeah. and, Give twenty percent off, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. I, you sure you want to hear their story, dude? Yeah, man, that's what we're here for. So, uh, as long as as long as the story is going to help the folks that are listening right. to us, that's what I want. So, because of the Marines, mm-hmm. right, and because you know I w- was reading the positive mental attitude books and taking action, and you know so on and so forth, I was out pounding pounding the streets, right. So I went into this uh, hair place. And there was a lady cutting a man's hair. And I told her, you know, what I was looking to do. And she said, well, you know, you have to talk to Mr. Sheridan. So I figured this guy's the owner. So I, he's sitting there getting his hair cut. So I have a captive audience, right? Yeah, I can't leave. And, you know, yeah, that's, I basically. That's a power move. Selling the barbershop where they're stuck. <laughs> talked with him to tell him, you know, what was going on to sell him on, you know, getting the, the place you know, in the, in the book and um, come to find out that he was a senior vice president for a company called media networks. Okay. Media networks is a subsidiary 3M. And what they did was throughout the country, they put local advertising in national magazines. Okay. So, um, and they would do that in full four color gloss ads, mm-hmm. full page ads in time, Newsweek, Dunn's Review, Nations, Business, Business Week, Playboy, Penthouse, all, you know, all the magazines. Mm-hmm. And what they could do is they could take a zip code, the first three digits of the zip code. So Northwest suburbs of Chicago was a six zero zero and they could place an ad in time, Newsweek, Dunn's Review, Nations, Business. That just went in, to those zip codes. In those four magazines in that area and hit, 87.7% of all uh, upper echelon. It was, like, it was like the early geofencing is what it was. 
Uh, it, was, it was targeted advertising, which at that, yeah. you know, back then it was kind of more of a shotgun approach. So that's right, pretty targeted. Those, the advertisers that wanted to hit 87% of all professional managerial, making over 100,000, so on and so forth, mm-hmm. could hit that specifically right within that zip code. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. So when you were selling that, when you were doing that, what was your best closing technique? Do you remember what you would do to push people over the edge? Because this is back. I mean, you're now we're, this is early 80s now. So there's no, there's no cell phones. There's no text message. There's no email. There's none of that. So what are some of the old school sales techniques that you would use then that could still work today? Because I, I like to think a lot of sales is like a forgotten art. You know what I mean? Like, I love handwritten thank you notes. I love handwritten followed-up notes. I love those things. And I think people are so quick to just pull out the you know the phone and beep, beep, beep and think it's good right. enough. Right. So if you had to pick, let's say, one old-school sales technique that was great then that still works today, what is it? Well, one of the things I teach is the, uh, the five attitudes a prospect goes through during the course of a sale and the five steps to overcome that, those attitudes. Okay, what is that? So the, the first attitude is one of rejection, typically. Even if you have an appointment with someone, mm-hmm. like you're going to a listing appointment, you're a bother to them still. You're, you're mm-hmm. interrupting their day. So what would normally call uh, preliminary pleasantries, mm-hmm. there's actually 10 ways that you can actually use to overcome that little uncomfortable feeling that you have in the beginning. Well, see, I, I, I'm going to take that one step further because I actually believe that. I, I believe that, you know, as humans, we, we program ourselves to certain things. For example, you know, when I teach, I always ask people, uh, you know, how many of you guys almost died this morning? You ask a room full of people that. And very, very not often do you see a bunch of hands go up. And I'm like, were you not in a 4,000 pound death machine going 80 miles an hour down concrete separated by four feet from another 80,000 pound death machine coming the other way that could have very easily just vert and killed you? Absolutely. But your brain has just programmed you to say that's, that's not going to happen and you're okay. That's how we do this. Same thing goes to salespeople. Like if I'm in a store and somebody comes walking up to me in a store, clothing store. I don't like to be helped by any clothing stores. I don't know. I just said thing. But when somebody comes walking up to me, I see them coming. And before they even open their mouth, mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, just jump, just looking. Just I mean, they could right. be walking up and say, we're going to give you a million dollars. But I'm, I'm so programmed to do that. And I think all say, I think I agree with you. I think all sales interactions start with a little bit of hesitancy. So how can, how can we get over that, man? What do we do? Well, that's uh, what I do as far as the, the training goes. So mm-hmm. again, there's there's ten ways of of doing that, and the training I do and have done for over twenty five years for realtors is different than other coaches' training. In that, number one, I train them to mm-hmm. to do the work. Okay, uh, number two, when we actually work on it, they become comfortable in using the techniques. So instead of just giving them a script and mm-hmm. say, you know, read this script over and over and over and over again until you memorize it and then, you know, you'll have it down. Well, that, that really doesn't work, you know, Yeah. because when you talk about programming, what was one of the first things that you were programmed as a kid? Uh, to not if, talk to if strangers, not talk to strangers. Yep. Well, who are we meeting every day? Strangers. Strangers. Who are we trying to meet every day? Strangers. Strangers. But that program is still there. So the what we're doing now in the SM3 success program is we're able to go into that negative programming 
like negative events, dramas, traumas, traps, triggers, uh, anger, fear, worry, anxiety, hopelessness, helplessness, we're able to go into those events and the programming that created that and pull those weeds and then plant the polar opposite positive. So what you're saying, what you're saying is, is you're able to reduce sales. Let's call it, uh, let's call it uh, resistance from the salesperson's side by have, by taking away the fear of talking to people, taking away the fear of prospecting, the fear fear of rejection, fear of success, fear of failure, uh, fear of money, Mm -hmm. having a lot of money, you know, having no money, fear of money in the future. Mm -hmm. All of those things were programmed when in, in childhood. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is that we, when we're born, it, it started in the womb because our brain is at 25% of a hundred by the time we're born. So all of that programming came directly from our, our mother. Mm-hmm. When we're out of the womb, by, uh, by age three, our brain has grown to 80%. By six, it's like 90%. And then the last 10% happens from like six, seven to 18. Yeah. Where you're at 100%. That's yeah, why 18 years old think that they know it all. <laughs> because of Right. And so, if you're 18, you're listening to this, let me help you out. You don't know shit. Let me go and help you out. Make it nice and easy. Moving so on. So the thing about that, though, the, the significance of that is that the programming that happened within the first six years, seven years of life is what's running your life now. Mm-hmm. So if you have the feeling of not being good enough or not smart enough or not beautiful or handsome enough or being unlovable and you got teased while you were growing up and so on and so forth, that's what causes insecurities. That's why, you know, people have different ideas about who and what they are that just aren't necessarily true. So get, so give me an example. Let, let's, let's say that, um, let, let's say that, uh, let me, let me think of an insecurity because the good news for me is I've been doing this so long. I'm numb to it. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you know, I always think back, uh, you know, millions of years ago, another life I worked for, uh, I went to work for Hooters of America in management years and years and years ago. And when you start there, one of the first things you have to do is you start in the kitchen. They want you to know how to cook, right? So you have to spend like five weeks or whatever it was in the kitchen. And then you start training in the front of the house and you walk to management. And, uh, back then when the cooks would put their food for whatever waitress it was in the window, they would yell, they'd just scream their name as loud as they could. Right. And the first day I'm like, I don't want to scream his name. Like I always, I won't do this. And after about two weeks, you don't even think about it anymore. And it's amazing how quickly, uh, you know, you can run those calluses down. But I guess some people do have it bad. Like you have, like, how do you take somebody that's an introvert? Is an introvert the result of, of this programming we're talking about from the womb? Or what, what are we talking about? It could be a, a number of things. It typically, actually, it's a success trait. So those individuals that are um, arrogant mm-hmm. or, you know, or go-getters, you know, they're, they're basically proving themselves all the time, mm-hmm. you know, constantly having to prove themselves, making more money, driving a better car, you know, having, you know, doing more and more and more and more. Yeah. And typically that's because of the inner feeling of not being good enough. So they're trying to prove that they are good enough. And what happens, and this is, you know, for multimillionaires, and if you're out there multimillionaire and know them, you can see it where they're still not happy, even though 
they have millions or, or billions of dollars. So what we can do is we can actually go into the first time event where where that negative self-judgment happened. Is this hypnosis or is this just, just like a, no, a talk it's, therapy it's deal? It's called, um, it's really under energy psychology okay. is really what it comes under. But this was a technique that came through spirit through me uh, that I used for myself and a uh, number of things happened as a result of it. Not only did I, uh, I was able to overcome 14 years of constant pain from two car accidents and uh, eight surgeries in eight years, mm-hmm. um, but then get all of off of all of the meds I was on, the painkillers yeah. that I was on because of those accidents. Well, let, well that's because I'm, I'm sure people listening to this are going to hear the, thing, the same thing I just heard and go, what, what does that mean? So when you said it came through spirit to you, what does that right. mean? So it was inspired. It was a discovery. A divine intervention, if you will. Yes. Okay. And um, again, basically it came through me. I used it for three full days. After the third day, um, I was totally out of pain. And um, I was up to uh, 300 milligrams of morphine a day. Oh, wow. Because of the pain. Plus. That seems like a lot, Tim. It is. <laughs> wow. Plus Soma, Xanax, sleep meds, oh, wake meds, so on and so forth. So I was able to get off all of that. And the doctors thought that it would take me two years to get off everything. It took me five months because I was out of pain. So it was like, I'm not in pain. I don't need to take the drugs, you know, uh, you know, so so it's done. So then I added that into my success training. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that everyone that went through the training had exponential success because all of a sudden they were out of their own way. Right. So the things that were holding them back, the fear of failure, fear of success, fear of rejection, criticism, whatever it was, was gone. And we replaced that with the polar opposite positive. So it's, it's like in, in the olden, what I call the olden days, the, the old um, way of doing positive mental attitude mm. was that you would have to do affirmations. Sure. Right? I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people so like so me. Then, then you do the affirmations, and then what would your brain say to you? Oh, you you've been saying yeah. that for <laughs> 10 years, and you yeah. ain't shit. Maybe not. Right? Maybe not. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive, but... The reason why the brain does it is because the brain was programmed from childhood. Yeah. And that's when your brain grew. So that's burnt into your neuroplasticity deeper than just saying, saying the words. So now we can go back into that neuroplasticity, into the mind, the unconscious, subconscious mind, and remove what it's working from. Yeah. See, you know, it's just but, like it's just like a, a tape, like a yeah, um, a, yeah like a, a, a computer program. Sure, and, re, and redo it. You know, so if you have a, a computer program that's, you know, from the '60s or '70s or mm. whatever, from you know your early childhood, and you want better programming, do you just put the bro- better programming on top of it? No, you'd have to delete yeah. and you go. You have to delete so, the old files. So, and that's what we do. Yeah, we you know we call it the bitch voice. <laughs> that's what I call it. You got you to push down the bitch voice. We always tell you know that's that's the one telling you that you're not good enough, smart enough, fast enough. You know, don't get out of bed today because you know you're tired or you know you're lazy. That's the bitch boy. Right. It, don't it, feel and, like it. Yeah, and, and all the high level entrepreneurs that I that I know that I run around with and rub elbows with all have an elite ability to suppress that voice. 
They all do. Well, I would say that they um, that they power through it. Yeah, more than because the voice is still there. So yeah, they're not. We, they're not. So you, you're, you're what you're telling me is you can undo the voice in, exactly. You can mute the voice. Actually, not only undo it, but have it replace say, it with the positive voice. Replace it with the positive. All right, so you get opposite positive. All right, so I know some of this is proprietary, but you got you got to you got to you got to walk me through. You got to you got to get to roll some of this out. So I, I enroll I, with you. I'd be happy to do some training for you guys. Well, I, I enroll. So I, I enroll. So you guys out there who are looking to do more. Yeah. Right. Get to John. Tell John, hey, I'm interested in this training. Well, I'll put, we'll a, put I'll put, a I'll put, a, there'll, there'll be a link to all Tim's stuff and all, and all of the, and all of the comments right, but, here. So. But doing a live, see, where I get my energy from is from the, the live groups. Uh-huh. So during COVID, you know, I, I put a lot of stuff digitally and, and have that available but I get off on doing the large groups because I can actually see the aha moments for right. people. Sure. It, it's beautiful. So when somebody enrolls with you, somebody signs up and says, Tim, I need to, I need to reprogram my bitch voice. Where do you start? What's the, how does it start? What's the process? How do we start out? Actually, uh, if you want, we can actually give a, f- a free training. All right. That is where it is actually where I start. And what you want to do it? But right now? On me? Well, no. I mean, I'll, I'll, no, we get, do it I'll on, give we, you the training. Well, we can do it on but, me. Let's do it. I mean, fuck that. Oh, makes good podcasting. Okay. I don't care. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, it's it's something that you do for a week. Okay. Let oh, me we ju- can't let, do it. We can't. No, what no, no, what, no, what no, can no. we do in thirty minutes? That's what we we got. Thirty minutes. I'll give you the. I'll give you the exercise. All right. Here's okay. what we're gonna. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a break real quick. Uh, we come back. Tim Zimmerman is going to nuke my bitch voice. We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> Hold tight. It's John Gafford. If you want to catch up more and see what we're doing, you can always go to thejohngafford.com where we'll share any links that we've, things we talked about on the show, as well as links to the YouTube where you can watch us live. And if you want to catch up with me on Instagram, you can always follow me at thejohngafford. I'm here. Give me a shout. Welcome back from the break. This is John Gafford. I'm your host for The Power Move. With me today in studio is Tim Zimmerman. In a, uh, in what we're doing is a, uh, a segment I'm calling today. Kill your inner bitch voice. That's what we're going with, with Tim Zimmerman. That's what we're doing. So if you didn't see part one, we talked about essentially Tim's concepts were with his uh, success training programs are go hand in hand with all of the stuff that you, you've learned over your life from Dale Carnegie, how to influence and influence people, all of that standard stuff. But you know, Tim says that's only half the equation because the other half of the equation is you getting out of your own way. And so many times we want to power through that 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 voice in the back of your head that says you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't need all this money. You're ne- you're who are you to make this money? Who are you? And Tim says, don't power through that voice. What do you do, Tim? Change it. Change it. Change the voice. So if we went to the break, I said, okay, Tim, let's let let's let's say that I'm coming to you as one of your folks and one of your new students, and I want to get reprogrammed. So. We're going to start, Tim promised an exercise to start me out on reprogramming myself, and we're going to give it to all of you guys. So here it comes. Tim, okay. what do you got? What do so, I do? So the, the first exercise I give clients, it's called the watch your thoughts exercise. Okay. Okay. Basically, what we do is two things. One is I give them this wristband. Okay. Which says, watch your thoughts on it. My initials, T-E-Z, and then my uh, website, sm3success.com. Okay. Okay. And I give it to them. So you take this. All right. I'll yeah. No, this okay. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, I'm, here we go. On. 
All right, hang on. I am now attaching the wristband to myself. Okay, I have it. And am I going to snap myself? No, I have negative thought. No. Basically, <laughs> I thought I'm going to pop myself every time there's thought. Go ahead. Basically, it's for a reminder to watch your thoughts. Okay. Okay. So, you ever watch clouds uh, as a kid and sure. they look like different things? Sure. Like a, a rabbit or sure. a wolf or an angel or whatever yeah. the case may be. So, when you're wearing the wristband, when you look at it or it feels funny and you and you move it, you mm -hmm. know how you hit you normally do that with what you wear on your wrist, sure. you know, type of thing. Basically you take a, a few seconds and just watch what you're thinking. Just analyze what's just going on in my head at that it. moment just right now. Watch it like clouds in the sky. Okay. So if you're thinking a sexual thought, it's like, Oh, a sexual thought, but you refrain from acting upon it. Right. Or analyzing it. Yeah. So if it's a, you know, I got to do this type of thing. You just watch it and look at it, observe it, and then continue to, to do what you're doing. Just every time you happen to notice the band, think about what you're thinking about. Right. Just, okay. Just observe what you're thinking about. Okay. Impassionately. It's not good. It's not bad. Sure. It's just the thought. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're big, we're big proponents of, of stoicism here. So yeah. Right. Okay. okay. So that's the first thing. The second thing is to take sticky notes. Okay. And take about 30 sticky notes and write the words, watch your thoughts on them. Now, normally in class, I have them write it out right there. So they don't put it off and they never do it. So, but if you, I, I tell you, this is a profound exercise. Okay. Okay. So take 30 sticky notes Write the words on each one, watch your thoughts, and then put them up around your living space. Okay. Okay. Uh, at home, on the refrigerator, in the refrigerator, on the microwave, above the uh, the sink. Anywhere you may go. Yes. In, in the cabinet. Sure. Uh, you know, I've been at, at uh, clients' houses where I'll pull out the, the uh, silverware drawer and the watch your thoughts sticker is there. Put it on the mirror, in the mirror, or you know, above the toilet paper, uh, as you walk into the shower, in the shower, on the computer, on the telephone, um, on your TV. Just anywhere. Going up the stairs. Got it. So on and we, so forth. We, we got So it. what we, we want to <laughs> do is we want to train your subconscious mind to watch your thoughts naturally. Okay. Okay. And when you do that for a week, after a week, you call me. And you say, Tim, I've been doing this for a week. Why the hell am I watching my thoughts like this? And then I'll give you part two. Well, no, you got to give us part two now. No. You can't. You can't leave us hanging. You no. can't do it. No, it's free. So, do the exercise. Part two is even more profound than part. Well, one. let's okay. Let's let's assume just because again, we're trying to entertain the masses. We're trying to show them this. If you want to do this exercise, hit pause right now. Come back to it later in a week. No, no, no. I can't give that. You can't. Uh, I can't give it. Because if I give it, it ruins the reason why we're doing it. It does. Okay. All right. Okay. It, Fair really, enough. It, it, it does. Fair enough. Okay. So I'd be happy to come back next week or you can phone me. Or see, this is like, this is like a cheap pop to get in here again. This is what this, I see what it is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> For whatever it is. I'm just kidding. The per what's funny is that some people call me in two or three days and they'll go, Tim, I know why you're doing this. And they say the reason i say i ah, could try but no it's it's very 
profound. And then there's a part three also. And again, I'm, I give that for free and everyone says it's profound and many, most everyone says it changes their life. And that's it. You know, I gotta, I gotta say that when I'm uh, when I go on and, uh, and I talk to people and I coach them, I, I always say, you know, keep score of your time, keep score of everything you're doing. So I see, I see where, I don't know why you're doing it. I don't know what the mat, I don't know what the, the, the rabbit you pull out of the hat is at the end, but yeah, I always tell people, you know, audit everything you do. And, and I think that, that, you know, your thoughts is a big part of it. I think also for me, um, you know, it's, it's what you put in is what you get out. It's just like your, your brain is essentially the same thing as, you know, call it, uh, your, your waistline. You know, if you sit home and you eat a bunch of junk food all day and you, then you wonder why you're heavy, you know, there's no real surprise to it. But why, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Yeah. Cause the reason why you do that is because in your childhood, something happened and you're protecting yourself as far as food goes, typically you're protecting your emotions. You're keeping people away from you. So you're not attractive. By trying to add food. Yeah. Adding weight. No. See, well, for me, I see, well, no, for me, for me, I'm I'm talking about about the individual. Yeah. For, for me, dude, I'm a stress eater. Like I get stressed out. Like if I, you know, the shit hits the fan with 50 things and I mean, I just walk to the fridge. I don't know what it is. Right. And so I've got to, uh, I have to put, you know, I put, and you tell me, what do you think of this? I put anti triggers up for me. Right. Like there was a picture of me that was taken at my 50th birthday party and it was, uh, you know, you would think it was a picture of me on a yacht. It would be just, if you're on this awesome yacht for your 50th birthday party, great picture. Man, it was dreadful. I looked worse in this photograph standing there in the bathing suit that I ever had. So I taped that picture. I have a picture of it taped on my fridge and in my pantry. When I walk in there, I look at it and I go, nope, don't want to be that guy anymore. So, you know, it curbs, so, the, it catches me. Is that negative reinforcement that's feeding the bad things or what does, is that? But why does that happen? Why do I stress Typically, it? okay, now, we can get into this in a different time, yeah. but I would say typically what would happen, the reason why that was a negative trigger to you is because during your childhood sometime, you thought that you were not handsome enough. And because of that, that's a negative trigger. So what you're doing is you're proving that you're handsome, that you're attractive, that you wanted, you know, so on and so forth. Uh-huh. Okay. Just like the not good enough. If you have the inner feeling that you're not good enough or something happened where someone said you'll never amount to anything, uh-huh. you know, and you're like, fuck you, you know, I'm going to show you, you know, there's multimillionaires that are showing their dead father that today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know some of those people. Right. I do. I, I know, and, I know some of those people and, that have a ton of money that are just, you know, for whatever and, reason doing it for I their day. I think that that's the biggest failure you can have because no matter what they do, they're not going to overcome that feeling until mm. now, because now we can go in the techniques I have, we can go in and remove that feeling, whatever it was. So it refrains from having a negative impact a a negative charge how does that process start by calling me oh jesus christ (laughs) tim you gotta give the people something man you gotta give us something this would be the most boring podcast in the world you guys you guys should be thrilled because this you know this is a is a whole new way 
of, and and I haven't even gotten into some of the amazing stuff yet. But this is a. So let's get to the amazing stuff. Okay. You want me to say something? Yes. Yeah, say stuff? something profound. Because here's what we can't do. Because I respect my audience, Tim. I love my audience. I love them. I think they're great. And one of the things we don't do is we, one of the things we do do is we try to bring as much value as we possibly right. can, but we don't pitch. We never pitch from this right. room. So I'm not, I'm not pitching. I know you're not, I know, but you're saying that you can't get, you can't get the goods unless you buy the, buy the, well, you gotta, I, you gotta give I me think, some, gotta uh, give me some roadmap. You gotta I, give me something. I think, I think your audience is sophisticated enough to know that you can't change 18 years to 50 <laughs> years true. of programming In one hour with, of me, podcast. with me <laughs> giving you a little tidbit of, you know, do this. This is true. This, this is, is true. what I did. This, and, okay, fair uh, enough. <laughs> and you can do it too, you know, type of thing. I mean, I want but, full, I want, I want full open heart surgery in 30 minutes or less, Tim. That's what right, I want. <laughs> right. Which never happens. You can't do that. <laughs> right. Okay. Fair but enough. I fair can, enough. But the reason why I guarantee results in the training that I, I do Mm-hmm. is because it works mm-hmm. okay now you want to hear something amazing i don't know how many minutes we have um we got uh we got 19 minutes left so okay. yes i would love to hear something amazing give it to okay. me one of the amazing things that happened and mm-hmm. uh i was working with a client and uh her name is becky 72 years old and she had major negative stuff happen to her in her life and you know, bless her heart. She had been trying to overcome all of that all her life. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then she and I meet and, uh, we, you know, have a coaching relationship and I start working with her overcoming everything and it works and she's getting better and better and better. And she calls me one day and she goes, Tim, 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 Tim. And I'm like, Becky, what's up? She goes, you know, I've been, working on overcoming my fear of not having money in the future. I said, yeah. And she goes, we've been working on that, you know, to overcome that not only from this life, but past life, previous lives. I said, yeah. And she goes, why do I still feel it? Well, Becky, I don't know if you're familiar with truth testing or muscle testing. Nope. Uh, No clue. Kinesiology type of thing. Okay. Basically it's that your, your body has inner wisdom. Okay. And you can access your body through testing your muscles to answer questions. Yes or no questions. Okay. If the answer is yes, your muscles are strong. If the answer is no, your muscles go weak. Okay. Like you can do it with your name. You know, my name is John. My name is John. You know, we could show them at some point in time. And you're, if you put your arm out and I test it, basically you could hold your arm strong saying your name is John, but if your name, say your name's Billy, no matter how hard you try to keep your arm up, you wouldn't be able to keep it up. Okay. Okay. So through this, this technique, we can ask questions of our, our own consciousness. So anyway, so Becky says, why do I still feel that way? And it just came out. I said, well, check and see if it's coming from the future. Now, typically you would think that the things you do now affect the future. Okay. Right. But I asked the question and she tested 
And it was coming from her fourth future life. Okay. Okay. Which was kind of amazing, you know. This is taking this is taking kind of a hard turn into and out there. We're going we're going into the med, I feel like we're going into the multiverse now. We are. Okay. okay. We're taking a hard turn in the multiverse. And and what's amazing is that because of the the muscle testing or the truth testing, we can test to see if it's true. Okay. Okay. So there's a uh, applied kinesiologist in town uh, that I have seen who was actually uh, mentoring Becky in her muscle testing and everything like that. And applied kinesiology is the scientific name for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was going to see him within the next couple of days. I said, well, go and see the doctor, make sure that you're, you're testing correctly and then see if he can clear it. Okay. Okay. So she was testing correctly, and he cleared it, coming from her fourth how, future. How, what do you mean cleared it? There's a, a method to be able to, to clear, like we're talking about clearing negatives from the unconscious subconscious. Okay. There's methods to do that. Okay. Okay. Uh, which I also am an expert in doing. Okay. okay. So, um, so a couple days later, so we found out that it was true. It's coming from her fourth future life, and he cleared it. Okay. So a couple of days later, Becky calls me. Tim, Tim, what's up, Becky? She goes, you know, I've been working on overcoming my fear of physical harm, and we've done that for this life, past life, previous lives. I said, yes. Why do I still feel it? And I just kind of see if it's coming from the from the future. She tested. It what okay? What possessed you to say that? I'm just curious. It just what, came just it just came just came to you. Okay, right. all right. So uh, she tested. Um, it was coming from her 11th future life. Okay. Okay. So I said, are we gonna, we're going to need like a we're going to need like a whiteboard and some graph. I feel like I need right. graph paper right. for this. But again, this is just a story of of how this sure. amazing. Thing so it's got coming developed. from this 11th life. 11th future life. Okay. Which again, for me during the time, it was like, you know, now affects the future, not the future affects now. Sure. But if you look at quantum theory, yeah. everything's happening at the same time. Yeah. Right. So that's how I kind of got through it, you know, in, in my mind. So then I said, okay, Becky, since the doctor cleared it, can we clear it using the, what I call the mastermind cleanse protocol? Mm -hmm. Okay. And when I work with clients, I do customized version of that. So if there's specific things that happen to them or specific negatives that are continuing patterns in their life, we actually go into their unconscious subconscious and clear that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I asked her to ask her consciousness if we could clear it with the mastermind cleanse. And she said, yes. So we used a customized version of the mastermind cleanse to clear her of fear of physical harm in her 11th future life. Okay. <laughs> Which I didn't really think much of, right. It's kind of far out. Yeah. Really <laughs> kind of far out Tim. That's kind of far. Yeah. This is okay. Keep going. Okay. I'm, so, yeah. I'm listening, man. I'm listening. Okay. So, um, <laughs> and this was in, uh, in 2017. Uh -huh. Okay. It, we've come very far since then. Okay. okay. But this is how it all started. And I'm, I'm getting goosebumps now talking about it. So I had to go to the, to the doctor and make sure that 
she was testing correctly that it was coming from her 11th future life and we cleared it with the customized version of the mastermind cleanse. Okay. A couple days later, she goes, Tim, Tim, you know, calls me, Tim, Tim. I'm like, what's up, Becky? Because I train people to be independent of me. So I'm like, whatever you're going to ask me, you know what I'm going to ask you. And, you know, you can normally do it yourself. Just kind of figure it out yourself. But she goes, Tim, why do I still have the fear of of, uh, spiritual harm? Because we've cleared that from current life, past life, previous lives. I go, you know what I'm going to say? Ask if it's coming from the future. And it was coming from her fourth future life, or her 14th future life. And I asked if we could clear it with the mastermind cleanse, with the custom mastermind cleanse. And the answer was yes. So we started to do the clearing. And halfway through, she goes, Tim, I can't do this anymore. I'm so tired. You know, I, I have to get off the phone. I'm like, you know, we're halfway through. We got to finish this. And mm-hmm. I asked, well, ask if I can clear it. And the answer is yes. So I cleared it for her, right? What I thought mm-hmm. was clearing it for her. And I said, well, you're going to see the, the doctor in a few days, right? Ask him if it was correct coming from the 14th future life and if I cleared it. Okay. And the answer was yes and yes. Okay. And that's when it clicked that we can use the, what I call the muscle testing or the truth testing, the applied kinesiology to ask questions about the individual client about their soul mind, anything negative that's stuck in their soul mind. Okay. At this point, I gotta, I gotta ask because anybody listening to this has got to be thinking the same thing I am right now. So, is this? No, 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 no. Hang on, but but it, it's like we're we're kind of going from, you know, personal coaching, personal development, almost into, you know, I, almost into some religious stuff, man. Some, uh, some, some. Right? I mean, there there seems to be, I'm just with some some of, if with my limited knowledge of it, there seems to be some sort of connection almost to Scientology with some of the stuff we're talking about. Am I, am I wrong? I mean, you tell me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're, well, you're not, I don't, I don't say anyone's wrong. You're mistaken. And Perfect. I know I'm willing, I'm willing to be wrong. Yeah. I'm fine you know, with that. Um, <laughs> in a, in a lot of typically in a class situation yeah. in the very beginning, um, I ask everyone how much world knowledge they have, mm-hmm. you know, draw, you know, a, a circle. This is all world knowledge. How much do you have? Typically, they put a sliver or a dot. You know, I say, okay, I'll give you 10% world knowledge, mm-hmm. right? And then I'll put a, another, a bigger sphere out there, and I say, okay, this is universal knowledge. How much universal knowledge do you have? Mm-hmm. And again, they'll put just a, a sliver. And I say, you know, okay, I'll give you 2.5% of universal knowledge. Mm-hmm. Out of all of that, there are things like, for instance, when uh, – during the Dale Carnegie, one of the things that I actually took was called silver mind control. Now, silver mind control is a scientific way to meditate. Okay, they, they teach you how to sure. meditate, but they don't talk about meditation, right? They teach you how to astral project, project your spirit, your soul, mm. but they don't talk about astral projection type of thing. Mm. Well, I took that in 1981, 
And then I think, I don't know if we ever talked about the other stuff that I did. I, I went through five Tibetan empowerments, two with the Dalai Lama. Uh, yeah, I, India, Egypt. See, I, I was gonna, I was going to get to that too. That was my yeah. next. That was my next thing. I figured yeah. there had to be some sort of Hindu type uh, influence on some of this thinking. There had to. Have been. Well, the, the the Hindu or the yogis, mm-hmm. you know, basically, you know, my question was if indeed we are what we think about all day long, right? And we control our world through controlling our thoughts. Right, change your thoughts, change your world, type of thing. Thousand percent. As you believe, it is done unto you. Mm-hmm. If that all is true, which I accept it as truth, who are the masters that I would be able to learn from? And then, if I learned from it because I was trained to train, you know, all, all five of the Dale Carnegie courses, yeah. I was trained to to teach. But in doing that, everything that I took, I could train it. Right. So my question was, who are those? masters mm. not like a master class that we talk about now you know for <laughs> many people know the reasons why i'm saying it like that but the actual yogic masters from the far east yeah you know those you know those techniques that have been used for over six thousand years the uh ancient egyptian uh mysticism the tibetan mysticism you know so on and so forth mm. the esoteric knowledge you know, who are those people? I sought those people. I found them, found the practices, used the practices. I've been doing that for, you know, 35 years now or more. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this whole idea that. So a lot of what you're doing is, is learned knowledge from you. It's not stuff you invented. This is, this is just through this adaptation, which I, which I appreciate that. There's nothing wrong with right. that. This particular application of this, mm-hmm. even though it's, it's been proven you know, uh, you know, this is really termed uh, energy psychology. Psychology, mm-hmm. um, even though it comes from roots that um, that have been proven, the proof of all of this is that it works. Basically, okay, it's it's results based, mm-hmm. right? So, well, isn't it fair to say that anything that makes you better works? Yeah. And it's and it, like you said, words matter, and it's just based really on your belief in what it is. If, if people believe this works, it works. Uh, actually, no, because we can tell the truth of it. Because everyone has the innate ability to tell the truth for themselves, to know what's true and not true within themselves. That's true. So, uh, at, you know, at a separate time, you know, I can actually show you that that the the. Um, the body talk or the muscle testing yeah. actually works. Okay. In using and you said it there's a guy way, here in town that does the kineticist. That's his deal. Yeah, He, it, does, he actually it, does this. Yeah. Applied kinesiology. Applied kinesiology. Right. Um, in this way, this discovery and using it this way is brand new. It's all mine. It's uh, nobody else that I know of does this. Who does this. Um, because again, you know, it, if you think about it, you know, whether you think that you are a soul or that you have a soul, if you have a soul consciousness, if I asked if there were um, reasons, causes, instances, or blocks to success. Total, I, think, total yeah, I, think, I, think, I think anybody, everybody's going to say yes to that. I think, I think no matter the level of success you have, you, you have some of that. I'm not talking, I'm not asking you. Oh, I'm asking universal consciousness 
about you throughout your soul life? Well, okay. So question. So in order for this to work for someone, they, I think, I feel like they have to have a certain standard belief system. No, no. So, but here's a question though. How are you? Okay. Let's say somebody's an atheist. I am not, but let's say somebody is, let's say, let's say for, for the argument's sake, they're an atheist and they believe I am meat covering a skeleton and I am hurling, you know, just on a rock hurling through space. And at some point my existence stops and everything fades to black and I'm done. So how do you take an atheist and you say, no, it's your 14th life telling you something? How, like, how, how do you, aren't they going to have to let go of being an atheist to get to there? Like they, I don't see how they could be both. No, my, uh, my question to them would be if they, let's say again, I give you, you know, 10% world knowledge and two, two and a half percent universal knowledge. My question to them would be, is it possible that you haven't discovered God? Yeah. Is it, is it possible? Yeah. Are you, are you open to an alternative point no, of view? No, it's not if you're open. It's, is it possible that you just haven't discovered it yet? But so they would have to answer, yes, that's possible for this it's, to work. It's possible. Okay. So just let it be possible. Yeah. Number one. Number two is that by using their own body in doing the muscle testing, they prove the truth for themselves. So is this, ba okay, so is this training, is this is this stuff, is it based on the belief of a higher power? Uh, or, can they, or can that higher power, can it, can, it, can it vary per user, if that will? Can yeah, we, I mean, it depends on what they, they believe. I'm we, not here to change beliefs. Okay. What I'm here to do is help clear their consciousness. As, so, as, long, as, the, as long as the idea that we have multiple lives, and we, as long as the idea we come back again, as long as that. There's some people that, that don't believe in reincarnation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, I, I believe because I've studied every sure. religion and, and so on and so forth. You know, even in Christianity, they believed in reincarnation until, you know, uh, 528 AD when they, they had the, the meeting that they took all of the books out, mm. you know, um, in Constantinople. Um, but again, I'm not here to change beliefs. What we're able to do, though, is to tell the truth of it with the individual's own body. So let's say you're a Buddhist and, you know, you believe all is mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's fine. If you don't believe in reincarnation, if I asked if there was any negatives in your, say your past lives, previous lives or future, right? And the answer was yes. Would you want them cleared? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? Fair. Right. And if you don't believe in it, then it doesn't matter anyway. Sure. But, if it's true, clearing it would probably be a good thing. Would make you better. Right. Because then you wouldn't have to deal with that in the future in this life, future and future life. So let me ask you the next question. How evolving is this methodology? Is this are you doing has any how long have you been doing exactly what you're doing now? Does it change as as time goes on? Are you adding to it? Are you subtracting to it? Is it an ever evolving process? Yeah, this uh, this thing with Becky happened in 2017. So I went into the lab, what I call into the lab, which is doing it on myself, some of my uh, siblings, so on and so forth, and then clients. 
and um, working through it and developing it in such a way where, you know, it really comes down to the questions, mm-hmm. you know, and um, the quality of the questions. And not in the way that Tony Robbins says it's quality of questions. It's we're asking universal consciousness or the, the individual consciousness mm-hmm. specific things that it will give us specific answers for. Right. Hmm. And then we clear it. We show the truth of clearing it. And then we go on to the next question. I have seven pages of basic questions. Some of them are like, um, isn't this like a Scientology audit though? Isn't it like the same uh, thing? I never really went through Scientology. Yeah. You know, it, it could be except that we're not using a machine to. And I, and listen, if you, I'm not, it's, Again, it's not, I'm not based being, on yeah. Scientology. Yeah. My understanding is that you know when you hold on to the diodes and yeah. they ask and you stuff a question, moves. it it moves and that shows. But isn't a, a isn't that the same thing of the truth of your body? Wouldn't that isn't that isn't that in the same neighborhood? Is what I guess is a better point in that same neighborhood. I, I don't really probably know, cause who knows because I'm I'm not that familiar with Scientology. Yeah. All right, moving on. Yet the the difference is that we're able to clear it, whatever it is. Yeah, doesn't matter what it is. I'm able to clear it. I have the ability and the authority to clear it. Okay. And when we clear it, we actually show the truth of it being cleared through the truth testing. Whether or not Scientology actually clears stuff, I don't, I'm not exactly sure. Who knows? Who knows? I, 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 I mean, I actually, I know enough to be dangerous about right. it, but not enough actually, to be I would, I would really like to work with someone who went through Scientology and actually see the, see if, the difference. If you went through Scientology and contact him because <laughs> he wants to compare notes on what they're doing over there, I guess. But guys, here's the deal. No, my it, question here. Go ahead. No, my, no, back up. I, my question in that regards would be if whatever the negative was was actually cleared. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, I, I don't whatever the process it, was. I don't want to compete with Scientology. I'm sure they can <laughs> no. do whatever they want. But, you know, that would be my question. Is is it actually cleared? Got it. And um, if it's not, then we clear it. Well, look, if you if you are someone that's listening to this and you felt, uh, you know, maybe there's something you hold on you back. Maybe there's, uh, you know, maybe that voice on the inside is, is, is prohibiting you from doing what you're doing. And you want to talk to Tim and see if he can help you. Again, Tim, how do they find you? How do they reach you? You can call me directly at 702-748-3586. Mm-hmm. What's the web address? Uh, SM3success.com. And SM3 stands for Sales Marketing Management and Mindset Development. It's really mindset development yeah. and control. It's your own control. Yep. So you're in control. I'm not going to lie, dude. This got wild. It wasn't what I was expecting today, but hey, man, I'm into it. I mean, you know, look, the, the purpose of this show is to bring as much information as we can out to people and, and and give them things that they can think about it and process. And hopefully you guys listen to this and process it. We will be back with Colt and Connell. We'll be back next week. And uh, yeah, again, remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, please like and subscribe to this video. And if you hated what I did today, that's okay. Tell a friend, or uh, and if you, if, I'm sorry, no, that's don't a, tell a friend. No, 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 no. no that's my. It's, it's, I, I screw this up every time the guys aren't here. But what I'm trying to say is, if you liked what we did, tell a friend, and if you hated what we did, tell two. Because it doesn't matter how they're talking about you, Tim, as long as they're talking. That's Actually, all that if you hated it, call me and let me know what you hated about it. <laughs> call Tim. <laughs> number number two is that next. 
chime in next week because we'll give part of the um part I'll, I'll probably i'll probably what? call you and we'll see how it goes okay. i'll call you all well, right i have a video on it also okay so. perfect all right well thanks so much tim i appreciate you and we'll see you soon buddy okay. thanks thanks Hey, it's John Gafford. If you want to catch up more and see what we're doing, you can always go to thejohngafford.com where we'll share any links that we've, things we talked about on the show, as well as links to the YouTube where you can watch us live. And if you want to catch up with me on Instagram, you can always follow me at thejohngafford. I'm here. Give me a shout.